say this according to the Word of God, and I can say it according to experience, is that God will get us to the place where we always call upon His name. He knows how to do that. He knows how to put us in the spot. He knows how to put us in the place. He knows what to do. Can I tell you what God knows how to do is handle His children. He always knows how to handle them. He knows how to get them to where they'll call upon Him. I want you to turn your Bibles tonight to Ezekiel chapter number 37. Ezekiel chapter number 37. I want to share my heart with you tonight. And I hope and pray you understand it when I'm done. Amen. Ezekiel 37 in verse 1. The Bible said, The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord. And set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. And caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley. And lo, they were very dry. And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Again he said unto me, prophesy upon these bones. And say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and you shall live. And you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied there was a noise, and behold a shaking. And the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind. Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he had commanded me. And the breath came into them, and they lived and stood upon their feet, an exceeding great army. Father, I pray this evening, Lord, that you would use me. And God, I pray that you would take me and help me to deliver your word. God, I pray that you would bring to mind everything that I thought about today. And I pray, God, that you would use me and anoint me. Father, open our hearts that we may also receive what you have for us tonight. And God, I pray that you'd bring repentance to us. We love you and we thank you for it. It's in Christ's name. Amen. I want to talk to you out of verse number 3. Where he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? I want to talk to you tonight on can these bones live. Before I begin my message tonight, I need to tell you some things that we need to realize. That the context of this story is a prophecy of Israel becoming a nation again. It's a prophecy. This vision is not a vision of the resurrection. God will not need a preacher or a prophet to bring about the first or the second resurrection, Brother Ray. This is not a, a prophecy about resurrection. This is a prophecy about restoration. It is one where God said that He was going to restore the nation of Israel again. And can I tell you, He has done that. Amen. He has brought them back to a nation. He's brought them back once again and established it. Tonight I want to use this text though, I want to use it to ask the same question that God um, asked Ezekiel, can these bones live? I want to ask us tonight, before I do so, I want you to understand that our church has come a long way since the first time I walked through these doors. It's come a long way. 
I want to remind you of some things that I remember today. I remembered when we would go in the basement to have fellowship dinners and LaVon water had run down the side and run up under the doors and would get up under the vinyl and flood the basement. I remember that. I remember having to mop water just so we could have fellowship dinners. I remember the floor being bucked up because water run up under the doors and we got that fixed. I remember sitting in Sunday school one morning and I remembered sitting there at a table and I was watching as Jim or Ray One was teaching Sunday school and I was looking at the opening in between the two buildings where it was added on to back there. And in between it, there was a post. Y'all remember the post that was there? The big 12 by 12 post? And I was sitting there looking and the floor was sagging like this in between the post. And I thought, Lord, how mercy that thing's going to fall. I walked upstairs, pulled a string across it. And LaVon, you wouldn't believe it. It looked like a roller coaster went through there like this. So I called somebody, had that fixed. I remember thinking that that thing was going to fall. I remember when there was no sound room or foyer in the old church. Y'all remember that? I remember coming and I remember opening the door to the church. And when you opened the door, you was in the church and there were some pews that didn't even match the pews that were in the church all the way up against the wall on the left side. I remember that. I remember these things. I remember a big hole right where the church sits right now. Some of you don't know this, but there was a big gigantic hole right here. And there was a big hill out there. And I remember on top of that big hill, there was a big old tree. I don't know what kind it was, but it looked like something off a horror movie where the buzzards landed, and that's where they rested. It was dead. There was no leaves on it. It just stuck out there for absolutely no reason. And I remember when we took the dirt and filled in this hole and made a parking lot. I remember when certain people came to the church. <laughs> when they came here, all they did was question everything we did, Brother David. I remember those days, but can I tell you, we've come a long way since those days. And now we've got super nice buildings. We've got a great sound system. We've got LED signs. We've got a youth building. We've got a super nice uh, fellowship hall. We've got concreted, uh, concreted parking lots. I must say that God has brought us a long way, and I give him all the glory, amen, that God has done some wonderful things. I don't know about you, but somebody said the other day, the chairs don't sit as good as the pews do, but I like the chairs a whole lot more than I like those pews. They're a whole lot more comfortable. How many of you can agree with that? I like them also, too, because they're easier to maintain, amen? They're easier to deal with. I just remember some things that God has done for us. I remember God doing these things. But when I first came, it seemed as if God asked me a question as I took the church. He asked me this question, Brother Ray. As I remember stepping into the church and they're voting me in. And the next week I mounted the pulpit as their pastor to preach. When I mounted the pulpit, it's as if God said, can these bones live? Jim, can these bones live? Can this place be resurrected? Can this place be brought up again? And I answered with a not so optimistic yes. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't as optimistic as I am today about things. It was a hard yes. But I said, God, thou knowest. And you know what we can do. And you know what you've got plans for us here. And since then, I've watched God do some amazing things. And of all the things that I've watched him do, I've watched him save soul after soul after soul after soul. Amen. All the greatest miracles that God could have done. It's not the buildings. It's not the remodeling jobs. It's not the parking lots. It's not the signs. It's not the youth building. But it's the souls that have been saved. 
But it wasn't long after the smoke settled on these new buildings. And I felt like we'd impressed everybody that we need to impress that I'm being asked by God again, Jim, can you make these bones live again? You say, what do you mean? Sometimes, sometimes we think things are better than what they really are, do we not? Sometimes we look around and we're so optimistic that we're, that we're able to be evangelistic in our statements. When in reality, things are not as good as we make them out to be. See, we have the greatest ability, probably farther, uh, further above any church in LaGrange, Georgia. We have, as I sit in a meeting back there, and most of y'all were in the meeting, we have, we have finances that we're able to reach people with. We have property that's almost paid for. We have willing vessels that are able to go out and do the work. But for some reason, we've got lackadaisy. We've kind of set back on the job, and God's asking me this question again. Can these bones live? Now, let me ask you this question. Do you know how long it's been? Since somebody's gotten saved at Hillcrest Baptist Church. Do you have any idea how long it's been? How long has it been, Renee? You know when the last time somebody got saved at Hillcrest? Was after we first moved in here that I remember Jamie, Hannah's sister, getting saved. I don't recall one since then. Dylan. Dylan got saved. Becca's sister, she didn't get saved here. Yeah, she got baptized. So we went a long time, a long time with people just not getting saved and people coming and going. And God asked me the question, can these bones live? And I want you to answer them tonight. Can these bones live again? Because when I begin to read what the problem is here, I do realize that there has to be a problem. And I think these verses give us a clue of what the problem is. And the problem was in Ezekiel chapter 37, the one thing that is very prominent in churches today is that everything looks well, but they were dead. They were dying. And Brother Ray, they were dying on the vine. They were at a place where it seemed that death had come their way. Can I tell you something? Uh, you, you see, uh, death doesn't always come the way that we think it does. Because, see, sometimes death can come very slow. So slow that you don't even realize that it's happening. So slow sometimes that you don't even realize what's taking place because people can be sick for years and not realize that the sickness they have is killing them until one day they're laying upon the deathbed. One day, I remember when people used to walk through the door of the church and the church over there, they would come in and they would have great big smiles on their face. And now people sit in church every Sunday. I look at you and you're staring out the window. You're watching Facebook. You're doing everything but what should be done in church. Can I ask you a question? You say, but you're the preacher. and We're just sitting out here. What would you do if I just come here, pulled me up a chair and got me a sour apple looking face and pulled up Facebook and watched it for 30 minutes while y'all watched me you see what I'm saying see sometimes we forget the purpose of what church is all about and I see people roll their eyes people roll their eyes at me so much I don't even pay any attention no more you got to remember I started out preaching in the nursing home you know what they did in the nursing home 
I can't even tell you what they did in the nursing home. It was so bad. So it don't bother me. I just smile and laugh. I asked Ken Bowman one time, I said, Preacher, why do you look over the people when you preach? Because when he preaches, and Chelsea and Dylan, my wife, can tell you, he looks like this when he preaches. The whole time he never looks at the people. He said, I get tired of all the looks they give me because most of them don't give me good looks. And can I tell you something? You get to the place where you don't realize that your heart's not in the ministry anymore. It's not for your church. It's just out of responsibility that we do the things we do. And when that takes place, can I tell you what's happening? You're beginning to die. And when you begin to die, it's not long. It's not long to things just don't matter anymore. You just do things because you have to do them. So what are we going to do to make these old bones live again? What can we do to bring life back? Well, number one is the most important thing of all, and we need what Ezekiel had. We need the hand of God upon us. Look in verse 1. The Bible said, The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord. Now, let's be honest. I just sat in a meeting and I talked with the leaders of our church about things we need to do in the church. And we're going to step some things up. I'm ready to start a children's church. I'm ready to move along the way in the music. I'm ready to take it to the next level. We've been in a transitioning period for a year. I'm ready to move forward. I'm ready to do the children's church. I'm ready to get somebody in there and go to work with kids and begin to be a a ministry in that area. And can I tell you, those are just some of the things that we need to do. But to be honest with you, we've tried everything. But the one thing that we need more is for God's hand to be upon us before we ever need another ministry, before we ever need to do anything with the music department, before we ever need to start a children's church. We need the hand of the Lord upon each one of us and upon this church to ever be a church that reaches out. Now, I'm still for trying everything there is to reach people, but one thing that we have forgotten is that you can try all the gimmicks, all the fads, and all the new ideas that other churches have, but without the hand of God, you're going nowhere. And this is what I see so often, so often. I remember, I remember when we used to get together with the older preachers, young preachers, we'd get together, and we'd get around prayer altars, and we would pray, and we would pray for one thing. We would pray for the power of God to be upon us. We would pray that God would set his hand on us, that we could be used. But somewhere, somehow, men have traded the power and the hand of God for intellectualism. They've traded that to try to be professors of the Bible, to explain and bring out theology and doctrine of the Bible that try to be something that somebody looks up to to be so smart. But may I remind you that in Acts chapter 4, the Bible said that they knew that Peter, James, and John had been with Jesus even though they were ignorant and unlearned. The Bible said they knew that they had been with Jesus. You know why? Because they had been with Jesus. And there's something different about when a man gets along with Jesus, he begins to study his word and pray for the power of God to be on that person and what we need in these days is not any more ministries not any more people who can sing and dance and play puppet shows what we need is for people to have the power of God upon them the hand of God it takes the power of God to change lives not the ideas of men if it's the ideas of men that change lives can I tell you something That's psychology. Am I right? That's psychology. But it's the power of God. Can can I just tell you something for a moment? 
And I'm a stickler at this because I've experienced it. This is not something I made up. This is not something that I, I just thought, well, one day that would make a good message. This is the reality of it. When I got saved, God changed me. That's the deepest doctrine in the world. When I got saved, God changed me. When Paul got saved in the Bible, God changed him. When Peter got saved in the Bible, God changed him. When the leper got cleansed, God changed him. When the lame man got his ability to walk, God changed him. When the blind man got his ability to see, that's God changing him. Can I tell you, when Jesus Christ walks into the scene, the hand of God moves. And when the hand of God moves, it's the Spirit of God upon man. And things begin to change in people's lives. But you know what's wrong with people today? We're too moved by the things of the world. We're too in love with the things of the world. And we're in love with the way the world feels. You know how the world feels. Completely living off emotions. I feel bad, so I just hope, pray somebody gets a blessing at church today, but I'm not going to get one because I'm mad. Come on. You know how many times I've been mad at Jamie? And still come to church daily? You work with him. (laughs) Immaturity in the church today has caused us to lose the power of God. And what we need is the power of God. The ideas of men may get them here, but that's all we can do is get them to church. We need this church to have the glory of God upon it again. Because somewhere down the road, The glory of God has moved away. Now, I'm going to say something. We've been through a rough year, have we not? This church has been through some hard times. But through hard times and through sufferings, it's where God moves. And if these things are of God, then God has a plan for them. And I believe with all my heart these things that we've been through are of God. If they're of God, then I can tell you that God's going to put his hand on us. Once again, because the suffering of the saints always brings about the power of God every time I see that. So not only do we need the hand of God upon us, but we need the vision of God. In verses 1 through 3, you'll find that Ezekiel had the hand of the, had hand of the Lord upon him, and he was carried out in the Spirit of the Lord, and God picked him up and carried him over, and he let him see something that he couldn't see from where he was standing. God had to physically pick him up and carry him over it. And this is where we get that we need a vision. Because the Bible teaches that where there's no vision, guess what? The people perish. But see, our visions today tend to be in property. It tends to be in buildings. It tends to be in more buildings. It tends to be in more space. It tends to be in more parking lots. It tends to be in more signs. It tends to be in everything. But God never puts a vision on people for just that. He puts a vision on people for a purpose in that, in that we might build buildings. So the vision is that we reach people. And if we're not reaching people, then we still haven't completed the vision. Because, see, most people think we built the building, we got us a youth building, We're beginning to move forward. What great vision. Here's the problem with it. If the vision stops with building the building, if the vision stops with restoring that building, if the vision stops in what we're doing and we're not reaching people, then the vision hadn't even got started good yet. 
We still got to move forward. And the vision is that God would show Ezekiel that there's some dead people laying in this graveyard of bones that God said, I want you to go and I want you to see them. You know what the greatest thing you could do? Is ask God to show you a vision. Not visions of stars dancing in the sky. But what God sees. I was in Gatlinburg years ago. I've told y'all this, but some of you may not have been here or listening. I tell a lot of things twice or three times. And somebody says, man, that was a good story. I told it last Sunday, Shane. I tell it four or five times a year, and they just heard it for the first time. That's okay. Chelsea talks like that sometimes. We don't pay her any attention either. Yeah, you need to listen. Okay. But I was in Gatlinburg. And I was walking through Gatlinburg. My wife had walked off. We was over at the old meal restaurant store thing, whatever it was. And I walked out of one of the stores there. And as I was walking, it, it just the thought hit me. I wonder what God sees with all these people. There's just hundreds of people walking around there. And I said, I wonder what God sees in these people. You know, not thinking badly, but how does he look at them? And I said, Lord, are these, what, what, what does a lost man look like? If I'm walking down through here and I see a saved man, I see a lost man, how, how can I determine between the two? Because let me tell you something. Happiness sometimes can be, or joy can sometimes be mistaken for happiness and happiness sometimes for joy. And we see people with smiles on their face and we see people seem to be living it up. I said, God, what do you see? And I'm telling you now, you can believe me or not. But for a few moments, Brother Ray, it was like I could see through people. It was like I would look into their eyes and it was like dead men walking. And I began to weep and I began to cry and I began to pray. And I said, Lord, if this is what you see, God, what could we see? What could we do if we could honestly and actually see what you see as we stand in a church service and we look at kids at vacation Bible school? If we look at people who sit on the pews of our churches each week, if, God, we could see what you see, how would it change our lives? Because you know us. We think everybody's born again. Everybody's saved. Everybody's going to heaven. And all we need to do is encourage them till we get there. But the truth of the matter is, God said, I'm looking at dead bones. I'm looking at a graveyard and he said unless somebody does something to get the vision I've got for them they may all perish so God says we need a vision what's it going to take can these bones live again we need the hand of God upon us we need the vision of God the vision of Hillcrest Baptist Church is the same as it's always been it's a vision to reach lost people but this is what I find this is what I find so many times we get sidetracked. And what we want is more important than what God wants and what the people need. Am I correct? So many times. As we sat in our meeting, we discussed this, not in a debateful way, but we just talked about how that my pastor told me, he said, he said, Brother Jim, no matter how long you stay at that church, the two biggest problems you're going to have at the church is your youth department and the music department. He said, it's always going to be your biggest fight. I said, really? He said, oh, yeah. He said, there's always some kid that tells their mom or daddy a lie, and you always have to fight the parents over it, which is not true of what they told them, and then they leave the church, or somebody's kid got left out, and somebody's kid didn't get this, or somebody's kid got treated bad. It's always something. And then he said, secondly, he said, your music department. 
He said, there's always going to be somebody that just don't like it. There's always going to be somebody that wish it was different. There's always going to be somebody that wish they didn't have a guitar, but they had drums. Somebody wish they didn't have the drums and had a guitar. There's always somebody that wish they sang more Southern gospel, and always five other people wish they sang more contemporary. And he said, it's always going to be a fight. And he said, I've been doing it for 35 years, trust me. And believe me when I say this, that's what we battle with. The two greatest battles in the church that we've had over the years is music and the youth. When is it that we can come together and get the same vision for Hillcrest Baptist Church and go forward and say, you know what? I'm not concerned about all of these things that are just minute in the Christian walk. I'm more concerned with the cause, which is people that are lost, which are people that need to get saved, which are kids that need to be reached. Somebody said, are we really going to turn that into a youth building and put up a volleyball court and put up a basketball court and we're going to do this and we're going to do that? We sure are. And we're going to do it for the glory of God. And I hope the neighbors come down here, Jamie, and I hope they're playing basketball and I hope they play and ride bicycles in our parking lot because Rusty went down there and told the people that was riding the bicycle in a parking lot, why don't you bring your kids to vacation Bible school? Guess what? They brought their kids to vacation Bible school. And can I say this? This is what we need is to get a vision for the people around us because they need what we've got. They need it. Can these bones live? You're going to have to get the vision back. You're going to have to get the vision. And the vision is not about the buildings. It's not about the property. I will be honest with you today. I'll just be honest with you. I'd move out of here, move in that building, and sit over there with the glory of God before I'd sit over here with a full packed house with everything going perfect and paid for without God. I need Him. I need the hand of God. I need the glory of God. And we need the vision of God. But not only do we need those two things, we need faith in God's Word. You realize that Ezekiel chapter 37 verses 1 through 10, you realize that these are some of the most or the hardest to be obedient to in all the Word of God. Now you got to think about something. You're talking about a demented task. This is very crazy. How would you feel, Rusty? Brother Jim, how would you feel? Ray, how about yourself? If I said, hey, guys, y'all get your Bibles. We're going to ride up here to LaGrange at the New Franklin Road, and we're going to pull in right there beside the Dairy Queen and Park, and we're going to walk over here to the graveyard and start preaching. I know there's dead people out there, but guess what? They're going to rise up, and they're going to start clacking bones together. Before you know it, it's, they're going to be dancing. It's going to look like the video of Thriller. Y'all remember that? It's going to look like The Walking Dead in a minute. But they're going to get better. It's going to be flesh and sinew. It's going to all come together. And before you know it, God's going to take this graveyard and raise up an exceeding great army. You'd say, you're nuts. You've lost your mind. We're calling 911. Well, that's what God did to Ezekiel. He said, Ezekiel, I want to show you something. Brother Ray picked Ezekiel up. And in Ezekiel chapter 10, he told him this. In chapter 8, he said, he picked me up by the lock of mine head. You know what that means? That means Ezekiel had long hair. Real long hair. 
long enough for God to reach down, twist it up in his hand, and he picked Ezekiel up by the hair of the head and took him across and showed him a vision. And he shows him a vision here of a graveyard full of bones. And this is what he told Ezekiel. He said, I want you to go out and preach to them. Just preach to them. Could you imagine what the people thought, Levon, as they walked by, seeing Ezekiel standing there, preaching to all of those bones that was piled up in that graveyard? And I can imagine what he was preaching to them. If you'll just come to Christ, you shall live. <laughs> Could you imagine that? You'll live. Jesus Christ resurrected so that you can live and have life and have life more abundantly. Can you imagine the people as they walked by and thought, that man right there has got absolutely no sense. I mean, he's preaching to people to a bunch of bones that's never going to come to life. But can I tell you something? If you'll trust and believe in God's Word, have faith in what God tells you to do and do and be obedient to what God says, I promise you this, it won't belong to what, you, what God's telling you you to do will come to pass if you'll preach long enough to dead bones they'll rise up I promise you they'll come to life if you'll sing to them they'll begin to dance if you'll talk with them they'll talk back and before you realize it before you realize it God's raising up something that is just awesome you say what are you saying preacher I'm ready to see some people get saved there's too many empty chairs in here on Sunday morning. Too many of them. We've got money. And if we don't have, we run out, David's got money, he can write a check. <laughs> Robin does. She steal it from Jim. We've got the ability to reach people. And we're not reaching them. And I don't know why. I told the people in the meeting today, I sat in the meeting with a man at a lunch meeting this week, and this is what he told me. He said he went to two of the biggest churches in Troop County. He stayed at one for years, and he's left there recently, and he's looking for a church, but he's been going to another one of the biggest churches in Troop County. And he said, Preacher, where I find something that is so wrong that I can't understand. And he said, Maybe you can explain it to me. He said, but boy, they're big on missions. I said, they should be. I said, I, 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 our church needs to get a little bit more in-depth with missions. He said, I guess you want to go overseas, don't you? I said, no, I really don't have a heart for that as Chelsea comes. He said, this is what I find as I said in all those churches. He said, they care nothing about the people around them. All they want to do is keep going overseas. Sending more people and more money overseas. And I said, is that a bad thing? He said, well, considering what I've seen, it's pretty bad. I said, what have you seen? He said, I've got family. I've got friends that have never been invited to church. They've never had the gospel presented to them. And here we are paying people to go across the seas to tell people about Jesus Christ when there's people right here around us that's never heard the gospel. They don't know anything about it. And he said, it's a sad time. And I said, reckon why that is. Re reckon, reckon why that so many people today are into 
foreign missions, but they're not into local missions. He said, I'll tell you why. He said, it's so easy for the wealthy American to give and let somebody else do it who's willing than it is for them to do what God's called us to do. And you know what God's called us to do? As Hillcrest Baptist Church is to reach people. Now I'm going to say something right here that our church needs to repent over. The church as a whole. The church as a whole. We've got every avenue in life at the tip of our fingers. You've got social media. You've got handwritten cards. We've got automobiles. We've got every way to reach people. And we refuse to. When there's men who have given up their life to go to Mongolia to live in 40, minus 40 degree weather just to try to get to the person next door to them to give them the gospel in three feet of snow. And we won't send a text message. And we won't even put it on Facebook. We got, we got, we got families fighting over Facebook because of who should be on it and who shouldn't be on it. When you could just say, why don't we just get together and team up and use it for the glory of God. Use it for the glory of God. Quit fighting. Grow up. Be mature enough to say this is a great avenue to get the gospel out. And then fourthly, prayer. You know what's going to reach people? Is you praying for them. And really seeking God on their behalf. Because I promise you, when you start praying, heaven starts moving. And when heaven starts moving, something's going to happen. And God said, if you ask, you shall receive. So tonight as you stand and they sing, I want to ask you a question. Can these bones live again? Can we have the glory of God back in this place? Can we have the hand of God back on each life? We've been through heartache. We've lost some. We've had some casualties of war. But it's time to move past that. And it's time to go forward with God and watch God do what He does. <laughs> and God's able to rise up an army that can do far greater things than what you've ever seen as they sing tonight.